0: The Finding Clarity podcast is a ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church where we look to answer questions that you might have about Christianity and the Christian life. And So what we do each week is we try to answer one question that you might be wrestling with or somebody you know might be wrestling with and try to show you from the scriptures an answer to that question. And so this week we're going to try to answer a question that can cause a lot of confusion in the lives of those who call themselves Christians or followers of Jesus Christ. And the confusion can arise in your life because you have questions concerning whether or not you are truly saved. And so the question that we're going to look at this week is one that sometimes you might find yourself really struggling with, and that's, what do I do when I'm afraid that I'm not saved? What do I do when I'm afraid that I'm not saved? And that is a very real question, especially if you are new to the Christian faith, or you have been struggling with some issue of sin in your life, and you're questioning whether or not you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Now you say, okay, George, now how are we going to approach this? Because obviously the big factor here is fear. Fear that whatever I prayed or whatever I believe is not enough for my salvation. How do we answer that? Well, we're going to take this question and we're going to look at it again in three parts. First of all, we're going to look and see why this fear is so crippling. How do you get to this place where you are really questioning whether or not that you are a believer and why is fear such a factor with that? And then what we're going to do is in the second part, we're going to look and see what does the fear really reveal? And you might be surprised by that. What does the fear really reveal? And then finally, we're going to kind of wrap up this whole question by talking about the issue of assurance. How can you know that you're truly saved so that you don't give in to the fear, but rather you rest on something else. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So let's talk about the issue of why is this fear so crippling? To understand why this fear can be so crippling to your spiritual life or anyone's spiritual life, you really need to understand what the essence of Christianity is, what the essence of our belief in salvation is about. And and it's typically this, that you come to Christ or you are saved, not because of something you do, but because of your faith, and whether or not you have faith in what Jesus has done for you. And so this fear becomes very real because you are struggling with the issue of faith. So this is typically something that somebody who's brand new in the faith would have a hard time with because they haven't matured in their faith yet. They are still wrestling with, is it enough to just believe that Jesus died for me? And so this fear can be very crippling because the reality is, is that when you and I do something wrong, we begin to question, well, maybe, maybe I'm not truly saved because I did this. And so therefore, because I did this, I sinned in this way, God doesn't accept me. And so you begin to have fears about, well, Maybe I'm not saved, and maybe I'm going to be going to hell. And so there can be a lot of things that amplify that fear. What do you mean, amplify that fear? Well, we've got to remember that we have an enemy, a very real enemy, a spiritual enemy, and that's Satan. One of the things that Satan is is known for is that he is the accuser of the brethren. The other thing that he's known for is is that he is a liar. And so when you and I sin, especially when we're young in the faith, We're wrestling with this whole issue of faith in Christ. We've put our faith in Christ, but we still have these issues that we're wrestling with in maturity. When you and I sin, Satan can come to us, and number one, he can accuse us and say to us, well, you must not be a Christian because you did this. That's going to create fear in your life. The other thing that Satan can do is, is not just accuse you, he can lie to you. He can tell you a lie. Well, you've disqualified yourself, or that's not enough to gain salvation. And so you begin to listen to the lies. And so this is what happens. Satan can can, can compound the fear. Another thing that can compound the fear is theological systems that we have in church. Theological systems that we have in church. Because oftentimes what I will see is that sometimes, especially if somebody's been exposed to some theological systems, they will not just struggle with the fear of not being saved, they will say things like this, maybe I'm not part of the elect. Maybe God didn't choose me. And so they have a fear of not just the fact that they're not saved, they have a fear that there's no way that they can ever be saved because they're not part of the elect. So this can be very crippling for a person's life. They can't get beyond the fear that maybe they're not accepted with God. Maybe they've not done enough. Maybe they've done more than they should. Maybe they've messed up in such a way that God cannot save them. And the reality is, is that, okay, my fear is coming true. I'm not saved. So this is why that fear is so crippling. Now. What we want to do now is kind of move into the second section and help you to understand that fear, because nobody's denying that that fear is there. That fear is there, it's real, but it may reveal something that's not being reflected in those two other areas, such as Satan or a theological system that creates the confusion, but it may reveal something that actually is positive, not negative. See, we often see fear as negative, but it may reveal something that's actually positive for us. Okay, so what do you mean? What does the fear really reveal? First thing I'm going to say to you is this. The fear comes from something in your life, and it's that you are disturbed by an action that you are engaging in or have engaged in. You are disturbed, and another term for that being disturbed is, is that you are convicted. You recognize that what you did or what you're engaged in is wrong, so therefore that's called conviction. Where does that conviction come from? Well, it does come from our conscience. We may have a sense of right and wrong, and we know that we've transgressed in this area, and so therefore we recognize that we've done wrong. But it may also reveal that what's going on in your life— is that the Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer, is convicting you of this sin. He is pointing out to you that this is wrong. Now, what you do with that conviction, it creates then the fear and then causes you to have a lack of assurance. That's that's actually a wrong direction to take that conviction into. But when you're young and immature, you don't know that. And all you know is that you are actually convicted, and therefore you're thinking, oh, no, I'm not saved. Well, actually, can I be honest with you? The conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life may actually reveal that you are a Christian. It may actually reveal to you that you belong to God because the Holy Spirit indwells you, and the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of your sin. So therefore, I would say to you that what the fear may actually reveal is something healthy, not negative. It's actually something healthy. Because what you're doing when you're under this conviction is that you're recognizing your inability to do anything for salvation you're recognizing your inability to do anything for salvation. In fact, that's exactly what we find in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Notice that phrase, and not of yourself. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. So when you're struggling with this fear because you've done something wrong, and you're wondering whether or not you're truly saved, that's revealing your inability in and of yourself for salvation. Let me continue on. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift. You can't do anything for it. It's not based upon what you do. So again, the fear, the wrestling that you have with this sin and questioning whether or not you're saved is actually, if you look at it from a proper perspective, is revealing that you can't do anything for salvation. In fact, you can't be perfect enough to keep it. So that's where the fear should drive you to faith. Let me say that again. That's where the fear should drive you to faith. Faith not in yourself, but faith in Jesus. What do you mean? What I mean is this. You recognize that because you have the fear and you question whether or not you're saved, you're actually at a point where you're saying, I am not perfect. There is no way that I can keep this salvation in and of myself. But here's the thing. It should drive you to faith because our faith is not in our ability because there is no ability. Our faith is in Christ, in Jesus Christ and what he did for our salvation. Your acceptance, your salvation, your forgiveness, your place in the family of God, your hope in the eternal home later on, Your hope, your salvation has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Not of yourself, but of him. So again, the fear reveals, the fear in and of myself, I can't do anything. So there's no way I could possibly be saved. But that should be turned in the direction of faith. Because faith then is what you realize that is the only means of salvation, trusting in what Jesus did for your salvation. So now that leads us right into the third and final part as we deal with this question. And that's the issue of assurance. How can I be sure that I'm saved? How can I know? That I'm a believer in Christ even if I sin. So that's what we're going to look at right now. Many places in the New Testament, there is an assumption that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have salvation, you have assurance of your faith. So let me just kind of go through some of these with you. First of all, just think about this in Ephesians chapter 1 Chapter 1, there is a praise to the Trinity, to the to the to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit for their part in salvation. And then I want you to notice with me in chapter 1, verse 13, listen to what he says. In him you also trusted, that's in Jesus, you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you have, having believed, notice what happens now you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Now, what's Paul saying here? He's saying that in salvation, you put your trust in Jesus Christ. When you heard the message of the gospel, the message of salvation, and when you believed, at that moment, you were believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit sealed you for the day of redemption. What's the day of redemption? That's when you go to be with Jesus, whether he comes for you in the second coming, the rapture in the second coming, or whether you go to be with him in death. But you are sealed, and he serves as our guarantee of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. So again, nothing here is suggesting anything about you possibly doing anything to lose your salvation. Here, here's another passage, all the way over in 1 John, the first epistle of John, chapter 2. Listen to what what John writes here. He says something very powerful. He says, my little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. So John's writing what he wrote in chapter 1 so that we would stop sinning. But notice what he says here. And if anyone sins, the assumption there is the implied reality is, is yes, somebody's going to sin. Here's what he says. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. The second thing I want you to see here is this. There is an assumption that as a believer, you're going to sin, but if you sin, you've got an advocate. You've got a lawyer. You've got someone who's pleading your case, and the one who's pleading your case is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the one who paid the penalty for your sin. That's what propitiation means. Propitiation means wrath satisfier, the atoning sacrifice. He is the one who paid the penalty for your sin. Another perfect illustration of that is found in the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, And he showed me, this is Zechariah having a vision, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, this is the the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate Christ, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand pluck from the fire. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you. I have clothed you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Here's what I want you to notice. Again, the emphasis here is not on Joshua, but rather on God. Because notice what it says. He says to Satan, is this not a bran plucked from the fire? The emphasis is on God reaching out and saving Joshua. One more passage I want you to think about. When it comes to the issue of you doing wrong, and the issue of God's salvation, and the assurance of that. Again, my favorite psalm, Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Again, The reality is, is though he fall, there's the assumption there that you're not going to do right, that you're going to sin. Though he fall, you're not going to be utterly cast down. You're not going to be rejected. You're not going to go to hell. God upholds you with his hand. Here's what I want you to see, folks. The fear is real. The fear is crippling, but you need to take that negative aspect of the fear and direct it into a healthy way. In what way? This is obviously showing the conviction of God by the Holy Spirit concerning something in your life that needs to change, some sin that needs to be renounced, that needs to be repented of, that needs to be turned from. And then you need to allow that to recognition of that fear, to recognize there's nothing that I can do for salvation. It's all because of Jesus. And allow it to Cast your faith upon Christ alone for your salvation because your salvation has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. The Finding Clarity podcast is really an opportunity to answer questions that you might have about the Christian faith and about the Christian life, about Christianity. And so we try to answer those questions here this week. If you have a question, we would encourage you to get that question to us, and we will examine it and possibly answer it here on the podcast. There's many ways to do that. If you attend our church, you can tell me at church. If you don't have a church home, I would encourage you to attend our service. We're located at 700 State Street in Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. Our service starts on Sunday morning at 1045. We're a come-as-you-are church where you can come as you are And learn about Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to look at another major question that a lot of people have. And that question has to do with God's will and your life. So here's what we're going to look at. We're going to talk about and answer the question, how do I discern God's will for my life? Hey, we trust that you enjoyed this podcast. Listen again next week. Until that time, take care.